0: All right. Welcome, everyone, back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today, we have the very good looking Stan Meshkoff on the show. Of course, you'll never know how good looking he is unless you meet him in person because this show is pretty much always audio. Welcome to the show, Stan.
1: Yeah. Hi, everyone.
0: <laughs> and so I'm excited to have you on the show for numerous reasons. One, you're a hard worker and no one seems to want to work in America right now. It's very hard for me to even go to the gas station after eight o'clock at night. I went to what we call Cumberland farms over here and there was a sign on the door closing due to staffing shortage at eight o'clock. So for whatever reason, no one wants to work over here and you know, you're a hard worker and you seem to find a lot of really, really good Hard workers, but we're, we're going to talk about software development before we get into that. Why don't you give me just a brief background of kind of how you grew up in technology? I'd love to hear what your first computer was or what your first coding exercise was and and why you decided to do that and then um, just give me kind of uh, how you grew to where you are now because it's a pretty pretty interesting story.
1: yeah, uh, thank you very much that you invited me here today. Uh, I got my first computer when I was like 12 years old. It was uh, Pentium One, and uh, the main thing that here was a game, Hero, Hero 3. I know if you have ever played in Hero 3, it was the best game that I've ever played.
0: <laughs> okay, look, I had a, I had a uh, 386 was my, well... A 386 was my first PC, so to speak. I had a Texas Instruments and a couple Apples before that. I guess people would get mad if I didn't call the Apples a PC. But on my 386, I had Heroes Quest 1. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that counts, but anyone that ever played that game knows. They loved that. You play it over and over again. But keep going.
1: Yeah, and uh, then I just uh, built my first application on that. It was based on BASIC. Uh-huh. It was a game, a game like you um, just uh, drive the car. And I was so much excited that I'm able to create the game. Of course, it was pretty simple game when you're just like moving like a big dot. And so, but it was so much excited that I decided uh, to be the IT guy. And um, I started my uh, IT experience with that.
0: So one thing that you do really, really well is find experienced, very good software developers and I guess you could say coders, so to speak, and in a world where Many companies, especially in the United States, need really good software development that's hard to find. So we're always looking for, you know, I guess uh, top, you know, top software dev guys. And if you're a company in the United States, it's hard to find. So a lot of times you end up outsourcing that, and that could be a mixed bag. And you end up with, you know, anything like who knows. I, I think sometimes you end up with with coders that you know get the job done, and you don't really want to get, just get the job done. You want to create efficiency for your business. You want to do whatever the application is that you're trying to build or make better or replace or integrate with, you know, said CRM or ERP or whatever it is. It's it's hard to find good people. And that's something that you've been able to do. And I'd love to hear just a little bit of you know, what your current company is, how you're finding those, uh, the right people. And maybe that could help some of the other IT directors, uh, sitting here within the United States or running a manufacturing company or logistics or anyone that's looking for, you know, good software development guys. What's the, what's the general philosophy or how, you know, how can you help here? All
1: right. Yeah. Um, my general philosophy was always so simple. It's like I just need to get one more contract, or I just need to hire one more person. That's it. Uh, I see that today a lot of people, they uh, everybody dreams to build a big corporation, and that means uh, sometimes that they shouldn't work t- t- so hard today to just to do the simple things like just hire one guy. Uh, yeah, uh, my company, Amber IT, uh, it's a so, company. So
0: hold on. I just want to restate that. And just so I make sure I understand this correctly, because we have a, a saying, uh, keep it simple, stupid. And it sounds very much like that's what you're saying is yeah. we're not looking at, we're going to be bi- uh, billionaires in this space and we're going to do this, this, and this, and like Elon Musk. Um, no, we're just looking for the next great hire. That's in your business's software development. So you're just looking for the next great guy every day. That's what you're looking for.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Every okay. day I'm looking for the next great guy or the next great contract. That's it. Because again, if you every day if you try to find to be a billionaire or to build the unicorn corporation, uh it's great, but sometimes you can just be in situations that you have no money. And um it's not what I am doing.
0: No, it's it's um a bit, it, it, this could be a bit uh, troubling for a, a CTO, CIO, or IT director inside a larger corporation because their department literally is a million different things going on at one time. Uh, so if they're looking for a good software development guy, they should probably either put someone in charge of, Hey, this is your only job for the next 30 days is to find the one, the one guy that we need. Um, or they should just call you, but we, you have to prove yourself first. And and when you're an external company and we'll, we'll get to that later, but, um, you tell me a little bit more about, you know, you, this philosophy of, of finding guys. Oh, um, yeah. got
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, My philosophy is next. At first, I just allocate a good region for finding the developers. Uh, For make this happen, I'm looking for what is the average salary in the region. Like, for example, right now, Armenia, Kazakhstan, they are really perfect regarding the sales. And then I'm trying to find the quantity of developers because uh, this region must have the good technical universities.
0: Okay, so Kazakhstan... Uh, What was the other one? And Yerevan, Armenia. Okay. Why are they prime territories?
1: And this um, is it's just
0: interesting because again, in the United States, we're only looking at the United States. You have the benefit of looking globally, so to speak, kind of, but why those areas? You said something about the universities, but is there a reason why um is is it you know, less political unrest? Is it um they've got time to learn. They're hungry for coding. What is it? Like why not um I don't know the, to throw out some stereotypes, India? Why not India? Why not, you know, something like that?
1: Alright, Perfect question. It's because the ratio between the uh, level of developers and the price. Uh, for example, India is really good if you are looking for some kind of junior developers or developers who will just uh, do the simple things exactly as they has been. Uh, described in the task and so on. Mm-hmm. But if you are looking for somebody who will be uh, more motivated and who will have the uh, good uh, university, good background, like mathematic background, for example, I am looking for uh, the city with uh, good universities of mathematics and physics because they have really perfect background for development. Mm. And uh, so uh, in those countries, there are good ratio between the level and the price.
0: Okay so we get poor hungry uh uh mathematicians. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> They're willing to work hard. Uh, <laughs> like the yeah the PhD the poor hungry doctor you know like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right um so how do you um and then just for the benefit of listeners out there how do you differentiate good coders, good software development guys versus bad. and when you have a specific project that you're trying to build or do um you know, what do you do? How do you differentiate? And I've got, you know, friends that are data scientists and like super nerdy and way smarter than me. And, you know, they tell me, you know, these crazy stories about my interview at Facebook and how they made me code for like two hours. And then the, the younger nerd told me, you know, you could have done it this way and you could have done it this way. So I'm just curious, like how you do it. How do you differentiate um, the good for the versus the bad?
1: Oh, actually, we have uh, four levels of interview. At the first level, we just check the soft skills, like uh, what kind of person is that? Is he proactive or not proactive? Is he problem solver, or he's uh, the person who's not problem solver, and so on. Uh, this is the first level. Uh, then we okay.
0: Check, uh, I'm sorry, but this is so helpful. So I would love to know how you decide whether someone's proactive or not. Because I know I've done a lot of behavioral interviewing over time. I did behavioral interviewing for like three to four years and like, you know, basically telling people, tell me a situation, give me an example, explain in depth, but I would love to know how you find or differentiate proactive versus lazy versus just the person telling you, oh yeah, I'm a go-getter, I'm this, I'm that. How, (laughs) How do you actually know?
1: Oh, that's a good question, actually. Uh it's always about the details you always uh, you always must to ask person what have you done in this job exactly and uh, and then you deep harder and harder uh it's like what exactly it was what kind of type of integration with facebook was what's the problem we were in this integration how you solved this problem okay what in this situation how you did it so it's like you go uh, you you are going very deeper and here, a person just, uh, he will not be able to, to relate you at all. He's got to be
0: able to paint a clear picture. That's a, yeah, exactly behavioral interviewing. He's got to be able to paint a very clear picture and you can easily fire holes in anyone that's can't, you know, I just did a really good job. I, I'm telling you it was awesome, but no, you can't, you know, you're like, no, you need to hear very specifics. Like where was the roadblocks? What kind of problems did you run into? How did you deal with that problem? Well, I just gave up. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, Okay, gotcha. Okay, so that's phase 1. So phase 1 we weed out the basically the 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 fake interview people. And I hear these crazy stories about people with literally like there's a person on Zoom and it's an actor. Literally an actor faking the interview being told. And I had a friend hold up a sign while he was on he he held up a sign like this and he was like I need you to answer this like question. And the guy on the video couldn't because there's a different person talking. It was wild. <laughs> Uh, anyways, um, yeah, he was. He basically said, "What's in my background?" He said, "What's in, he said What's on the wall in my background?" or something like that. And the guy just stood there, and then they hung up the call. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know that, uh, right now, in internet, there are a lot of a lot of courses uh, which cost you a few hundred dollars. How to go through interview for development? It's very funny um, because right now uh, people can just learn you how to pass the interview for be PHP developer or or iOS developer and mm. so on.
0: Yeah. So let's get to the, maybe skip ahead. So we got, you got phase one, what's phase two, three, four interview? yeah. Someone makes it all the, I want to hear how someone actually makes it to the fourth interview. Give me an idea, maybe paint a picture of one of your guys and how he made it to the fourth interview and, and why he's been one of your best guys. Now I'm interviewing you. See, although I guess that is kind of what a talk show is. Um, so Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, I want to hear about your, one of these guys that made it to the fourth interview, you hired him and, and what the heck has he done now? So this is me now. Now you have to do what you make them do.
1: Uh, just uh fastly describe the, the next steps again. Sure. First step soft skills. The second step is uh, we need to prove uh, which exactly project uh, pro- person works and what exactly he he was doing. Because everybody can say, for example, I have worked for Netflix. But what exactly you have been doing and which libraries you work, uh, which exactly skills you, you used in that. Uh, which task you solved and uh, what was your role in the team because uh, not every not every person is team leader of course uh, almost everyone wants to say that he was a team leader and he did everything but usually it's like we need to find what exactly was the station. Mm. The third step is deep technical interview. When we add to that the technical guy who will just uh, interview you deeply like exactly uh, this function in Java works, for example, or how you will solve this problem. He will just talk with you about an hour and after that, we will know exactly uh, the the, uh, skill set of person. And the last step, and the last step is real, uh, is real task uh, test. Uh, like sometimes it's a two-time coding test. Sometimes it's like we can just give you the test. If you don't want to make it right now and you get on that back to us in three days and it should be developed and we will check how accurate you developed and so on. So that's four steps interview. So
0: step three sounds kind of fun for whoever is trying to fire holes in him. So step three is like you take your number one guy and then have you ever had someone beat up your guy on the inside? Like have you ever had a guy come through the interview process and he's better than that guy?
1: Oh yeah. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it happens. Uh, Sometimes it's uh, like, for example, so we hire we the person who just created the core of Symphony framework. Uh, it's like um, very popular framework and this is was the person who just created the core of that. Uh. So he absolutely knows how it works.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this guy's too good for me. Uh, he passed. That's that's cool. <laughs> um. Okay, so guy makes it through, then... Um,
1: really, that, the, 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 the most strong part is find the developer because how to make the interview, it's the uh, most simple part because I described yeah. it's a process and it's so easy, but the most hard, most hard thing is find this developer in the location.
0: Well, yeah, it's like I, wanna, I want the number one best sales guy in the world to grow my company. Okay, I just got to go find him. Yeah, that's difficult. I want the best hip replacement doctor because I'm going to get my right right hip replaced. Um, and I have a very specific condition. It mm-hmm. probably took me eight years to find this doctor that I need to fly overseas to India for. I'm not joking. This is a true story. People are going to think I'm crazy. What do you mean you're going to India to get your hip replacement? That's That might actually be a real thing that's going to happen to Phil Howard in the future. So it's not, no, it's not easy. So, and it's a problem For everybody uh, that needs a good developer in the United States, especially if you're in a mid market company that has a team of four to five, six people, uh, maybe 2,000 employees, somewhere in that range, and you need a really good software developer. Um, Are you going to be able to bring that guy on staff? Maybe. He might be able to wear multiple hats. You might not be able to, but you're sick of hiring guys you're you're sick of outsourcing because you're getting a mixed bag of outsourcing and you've got language barriers which I'd love to talk to you about as well because I'm sure there's people I'm sure you have an issue when uh, of of dealing with the language you probably have to overcome trust me, I'm not just a, a Russian scammer. Like I'm not just, a, I mean, honestly, you know, um, I'm not just a guy that's, you know, and I'm not going to hack your company and steal all of your information and I'm overseas. I mean, th- these have all got to be things that you've got to deal with as well. Um, so I'm just, b- because you do this a lot, let, let's assume you find the good guys, but, um, how do how do you deal with, um, how how do you deal with the language barrier? Just since that, I just thought of that off the top of my head. I, I know that that's going to be an issue. If I was hiring someone overseas, and me, and I'm meeting you for the first time, I'm looking at your profile on LinkedIn. I'm going to say, okay. Well, first of all, your your profile is very very well developed, by the way. So so you know, congratulations on that. It's not the guy that just shows up in your inbox and is like, hey, by the way, we do this this and this. and Let me throw you a thousand links and 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 can I get on your calendar on Tuesday at two o'clock? No, Um, I actually found you. So you know, props as they say over here. You know, that's just showing you how old I am as well. Uh, You know, good job for that. How do you overcome? the language barrier um, and the other pros that we've got over in Silicon Valley uh, in the United States. Like, how do you overcome that? How are you better?
1: Oh, uh, this actually. Mm-mm. We The first is we need to find the people with a good English, uh, English level and so on and check that. Uh, That's not so, uh, that's not so big issue because today every person knows English and that's, uh, that's a good thing. Uh, The more uh, harder thing, it's kind of uh, soft skills because for example, in the United States, People uh, who hire developers, they are looking for proactive <clears throat> developers, and actually that's much different because in the rest of the world, proactive uh, proactivity, it's not the necessary skills, and uh, that's uh, what we must to solve. And, uh, when we must find this is find
0: that- this is the key. This is the key yeah. to America. Doesn't everyone know that America is a money hungry, capitalistic society? As much as we'd <laughs> like to say that we're not. That is America. It's, when, it's ama- So in other words, what you're saying is in another country, people are used to doing the task that they're told to do and nothing more. Yeah. They're because used the to of- siestas in Spain or something like this, which is something that it's probably some advice that America should take. We should probably chill out a little bit. <laughs>
1: Actually not, actually not.
0: No. <laughs> All right, let's swap. Let's swap. Although we just got done saying no one wants to work in America at the beginning of this show, so we might, be, uh, we might be catching on. We might be catching on to something. So, okay, so you've got to teach people to be proactive. Okay, how do you do that? In other words, you're saying fix their company, give suggestions, make things better.
1: Oh actually that's uh, at the first time for example we are uh Again, at the beginning, we try to find the most proactive guys, uh-huh. but then we add the person who called mentor. And this mentor, he checks, uh, like he checks the general things, he checks the code style, he checks the quality, he checks the security, and tells that he checks how you communicate with uh, with um, uh, with uh, customers. Uh-huh. Because again, for people, it's huge insight that they must be proactive because it's like. They say to me to do this, and I have created this. I have created this really great. But they don't assume that they must do much more. And we learned them, and it takes a few months to change uh, and uh, to to learn people how to work with the United States customers.
0: Yes, America loathes, hates um, to have to do the follow-up themselves. We call this... Uh, a customer driven a customer driven installation process or a customer driven project management is the worst is the absolute worst it should always be uh we should always be if we're the if we're providing the service or the vendor should always be the one driving uh the process right and i always say you know and and i work in one of the you know most mediocre industries, which is like, you know, technology vendors, right? Telecom, internet vendors in the United States are notorious for being just, you know, providing horrible customer care. And I believe that people should respond to their customers before their customer knows. And then when the customer does ever make a request, they should respond in hours, not days. Um, so. With all that being said, how do you, give me an example of some of your, how do you overcome the, um, how how do you prove to yourself that you're the company of software developers? And and why don't you just give me a little breakdown of your company? First of all, what do you specialize in? Is there anything that you particularly specialize in and why would someone over here in the United States hire you or your group of geniuses?
1: Oh, yeah, uh, It's like Umbrella IT is a company which provides web and mobile development. And uh, um, we have uh, three main services like hiring remote developers, uh, and, uh, then that's outsourcing of development when we just take something and we guarantee the results. And the most popular service it's permanent result. Uh, it's when we guarantee that every two weeks, if you already have the application, yep. if it's already developed, then we can add, uh, Umbrella IT, uh, Geniuses, and we guarantee that every two weeks you will get, and your clients will get the updated, of update application.
0: So let me give you a scenario. Uh, I'm a, I don't know, manufacturer in the United States. Yes, I have got an old uh, CRM that's uh, running on a server on site. I'm looking to migrate this to the cloud, and at the same time, I've, I don't know, I I want this. Uh, maybe it's an ERP. Sorry, it's an on-site ERP system. I'm I'm I get a new CRM, and I want this old that we developed years ago ourselves, uh, mm-hmm. ERP, to, to integrate with our new CRM, which is already in the cloud. And I've been using outsourced developers and they've been very quirkily or not in a very efficient manner um, developing this code on this old ERP system. And I'm, I'm unhappy with them because They're an outsourced software development company and I'm done. I'm done with outsourced developers. So I'm going to find someone in the United States. I'm going to hire them. What do you say to that person?
1: Oh, actually, it's uh, not exactly person which I'm looking for because for CRM, probably he needs to find the existing and ready one CRM and just move to that. He can't.
0: He can't. He has to use this old one. He has to because of whatever reasons. I don't know. He just has to. There's, that's just not, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, this
1: case i will talk to this person that we must to eat the elephant part by part <laughs> and we need to find something which will increase his business today like for example we can say that we can create for you a mobile application where every of your clients will be able to do the uh, new a uh, new order and uh, it will be integrated in current one right now uh-huh. but it will be absolutely new and you will see say to your customers, yeah, download it. You can make new orders. You will get the updates about your new orders and so on. Mm -hmm. So let's move one by one because uh, sometimes when business already works and you just need to migrate to new CRM, it's really painful and business will prefer not to do it.
0: Yeah. I found that in certain niches, which there's one that I'm thinking of at the top of my head, the customer growth is not the problem. In fact what they're experiencing is is exponential growth. Mm-hmm. And the software is exponentially old. Right? And they can't really use like an out of the box, you know, whatever because I don't know, they're just like a unique business platform, right? So they've got this software that was built uniquely. Uh, but I think the point is is they 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 were fed up with outsourced software development. Where, where I guess the que- the better question is, where do you see the majority of your competition failing and giving you a bad name? Does it make sense? Like, where do you see the other outsourced companies? How are you easily able to outperform them? How are you easily able to do better? Where are the where is the majority of the bad the bad rap, so to speak, or the bad information coming out about outsourced development? You know. Overseas, yes.
1: Um, for us, it's always uh, uh, the uh, advert- advantages. It's always too. It's like the speed and quality. It's like uh, at the beginning, For example, we can say to, to him that we can create something. For example, if you are growing really fast, we can create the portal for your customer for for your for your managers. Uh, in, I don't know, in three months and it, it will work with your, I don't know, old CRM, but it will be new and then we'll replace the backend step by step. But the main thing is the speed. It's like our primary, uh, service, permanent result. We make the guarantee that in two weeks after start, you will get the results or it will be for free because, uh, the speed is main thing um. uh, when you meet with when you meet with somebody from other part of the world and you don't trust them of course uh, we have the great references from the different companies and a great portfolio but many things that you want to get its result as soon as possible
0: yep yes. in other
1: case, you build the trust
0: show me the money basically and that's a good answer as a as an fellow uh business entrepreneur entrepreneur type person um, you're obviously a lot smarter than me I just I'm a guy that talks with people the how how you how do you yourself grow so if there's other i t other technical people out there that are working within a company right now how do they escape and uh, become a multimillionaire I want to know the key to becoming rich as an IT guy. What, are, what do I do?
1: Actually, the secret, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do believe that you know the secret because you are a very successful person. <laughs> and actually, the secret is very simple. I just need to get one more contract. And I just, let's <laughs> see. You're right. <laughs> It's, it's like, for example, if you want to get the million dollars, it's, like, it's not a question how to make the million dollars tomorrow. It's a question, how can I get the contract tomorrow? And when I get the tomorrow, how can I get the one more contract tomorrow? One more contract tomorrow, one more contract tomorrow. That's it. So there are no many kinds of magic. It's, it's like uh, getting you more contracts and that's it.
0: Did you ever have like a scared moment where you're scared to go do that and get your contract? Because to me, what I call that is hustling. In other words, every day hustle, every day get up and run, every day get up and do what you need to do to get where you want to be. So you obviously had you must have internally inside you some great desire to be successful and or to build something, which I don't know if that was always there. Um I don't know, for me it might have been when I got married and I was living in a low income two bedroom apartment complex and my total expenses was $90 a month. And my wife got pregnant. And I thought to myself, I can't just keep working at Starbucks. And I don't know. And I need to raise a family. Maybe that was the moment that I realized like, no, now I need to really get my butt in gear. And uh, I don't know. Maybe that, that, for me, that was that moment. But for you, what was it? Like, is there, is there some something that creates this burning desire to then go hustle and 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 create something? Because there's IT people out there that are very, very smart. That and I ask this question a lot. What's your end game? I've I've asked many IT directors, many CTOs, CIOs. What's the end game? I'm hoping it's not. I'm gonna cash out with my 401k. Because I don't think that that's a very safe end game here in the United States. I don't think it's going to be, I'm just going to make enough money at this job to one day retire. And maybe that is the answer to for a lot of people, but that, that would have to be the answer for like 99% of all of them. So I want to give people an alternative, which is I'm in IT. How do I get rich and cash out? And I think you might have a little bit of insight into that. Or maybe it's not cash out. Maybe it's like, I just need to be all the way up until I hit the grave making money. And some people are like that. Some people are crazy like that. Like I've had some, like one of my partners is like, shame on you, Phil. Shame on you, Phil. You never give up. You never give up, you know? And he's yelling at me like, never! Never! And I'm like, what is, you know, like, no, like I want to, yeah, no, I, I'd i like to relax a little bit. You know, he's like, don't you want your kids to go to the best schools? Don't you want your kids for this? You know, some people are like that and that's not me, but um, I don't know how we get, uh, give me, you know, so we work hard, we find the next client, whatever it is, but there has to be a vision. There has to be some kind of starting point. There has to be some kind of vision for something that you want to build.
1: Oh. Um. The first, uh, the first thing that I need to say is that I was from very, very poor family. And uh, when I was young, we lived as a family for the amount like $100 per month. So I'm not so much afraid that I will I I will die because I have no money because <laughs> I know what it means to live like
0: for worst case hours. scenario I I'm just back at the beginning worst case scenario yes. yeah exactly <laughs> don't you love that it's like if you've okay. ever lived on a mattress if you've ever slept in a room on a mattress with with on a rug right which I can remember that time you know it's gonna be okay yeah but keep going.
1: Yeah. I love this. So so, so, so the The second thing, it's just uh, my goal is the game because I like this game. Mm. Uh, The entrepreneurship is the game uh, when you uh, try to be faster smarter than as entrepreneurs. And that's not the question's uh, simple answer like I just need more money or something. It's a game. And that's very, very interesting.
0: Mm, I, f- I, I, I love I, it, man. Make it a game. Yeah. yeah make because I do want
1: to uh, to pass through IPO with one of my companies and it's very interesting because uh, that will open for me the opportunity to create the new companies and go over the IPO again and again that's very interesting and every time when you are going uh, going up you meet the other interesting people it's um, It's uh, the most beautiful thing that when you make more money, you meet the new people, uh, new people from other companies, from uh, your advisors, your mentors, just people who want to help you. And they all just share the experience and you understand how you can play better.
0: Yeah. Isn't it amazing how it gets smaller once you get closer to the top? The group of people gets smaller. And you get, you get, it's kind of actually surprising. It's, 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 it is weird. Like, and it also gets a little bit more lonely too, because there's less people that understand what you've gone through. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but, um, to me, it's, uh, I, I found that as you get, and it could just be, oh, you're just older. <laughs> it could be that. Um, okay. So we're going to make it a game, um, uh, make building a business a game. Um, that's very good. So find something find some find a game that you like to play, I guess. Find a business game. Find a business game that you like to play.
1: For example, right now, in outsourcing business, it's a little little bit hard to find a new client because it's kind of red ocean. And uh, I know that, and that's why I have created a separate business, Unsport. It's a business for uh, booking of workplaces and uh, scheduling the workplaces in hybrid work for people.
0: It's a sick app, by the way. Everyone, if you haven't seen this application, say it one more time. Do you have like a, a, what was it again? Onspot.com. Onspot. Unspot. U-N-U-N? Yes. dot com. So this is pretty genius, actually. So this application takes basically like a blueprint map of your workspace. So if you've got different offices and you know where all the desks are, um, Stan's application basically maps out your workspace and allows people to check into work. It integrates with Teams. Do you integrate with uh, G Suite or anything like that yet? Uh, yes. It integrates with all your all your normal everyday you know scheduling applications. But it's cool because you can see who's in the office. So if I don't like working with Mary and I see she's sitting at that desk, I'm definitely not going into work and working in the office that day. I'm going to go, or I'm going to schedule my desk down the street. So imagine like an open concept workspace where you've got different people and different open concept desks. You can schedule wherever you want to go, and it's it's genius for the fact that during COVID a bunch of workplaces kind of broke up, and now that we're going back to work, um. Uh, for example, um, my my son in law, who is an who is an engineer, works for a huge, massive electrical company, and um, and you know, so I know he goes into work sometimes. Sometimes he doesn't go into work. Um, it just depends on like whatever's going on in the day, and um, you, you know, and and like what the projects are that are going on, and who's and who's at work, and what they're doing. So, and. So for example, and, he, and he's at ABB. So ABB is like a massive, massive global company and he's got to go into the workspace. So where is he going to work? Well, he can see, oh, so-and-so is at work today. I'm going to go in, I'm going to clock in at that desk. I'm going to go sit down there and you can do all this through Stan's app. So I'm sorry, I just described your own app as an end user would describe it. Uh, was I accurate?
1: Yes. And what accurate. am I forgetting?
0: Am I forgetting anything?
1: No, that's it. that's it.
0: Okay, go ahead. And right now, uh,
1: as I said, in outsourcing business, it's a little bit hard to get the new client. For me, it's much easier to create the new application, get more clients, like much, much more clients, and then upsell to them on Bro IT because it's like you use our application every day. It's really good quality, and so on. We can just you, try to help with your business.
0: You've already proven yourself. Yeah, it's kind yes. of like me too. Like I don't really. Do you know how hard it is to talk to someone like you? it's almost impossible. Like if I messaged you on LinkedIn and I said, Hey, uh, I want a job or I want to help you uh, find more clients in uh, Uzbekistan, or I want to help you do that. You'd ignore me. But if I called you and I said, Hey, um, can we just talk on a podcast? You'd say yes. And then after we're done talking, you can say, Phil's a moron, or Phil knows what he's talking about, one way or the other. So it's kind of like the same concept. You can use my application. And if you see that it has a bunch of bugs in it, you're not going to hire me for software development. But if you use my application, like, wow, this is pretty slick. And I didn't realize it integrates with all these different things. That's cool. Um, by the way, hi, I'm calling you. My name is Stan. I developed this application. I wanted to know what you thought about it. Oh, I love it. It's great. Cool. Do you have any problems or need help anywhere else? It's genius. What other stuff do you ever give these apps? Is there like a free trial period or something? Can we plug your application and make thousands of people maybe download it because so many people listen to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds? (laughs) I wish that was true, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, sure. We have some kind of uh, free trial, free so, trial. That, uh,
0: but you've got a couple applications. This isn't the only one. So you've got uh, Unspot, right? Yes. U n s p o t dot com. Unspot dot com. What other applications do you have?
1: Oh, actually, the uh, other applications I am trying to build the platform for uh, for United States uh, CTOs and so on, where as uh, able to just hire the developer by one click. And uh, then they will be able to easily track uh, everything that person does mm-hmm. uh, for easily management of them because it's, sometimes it's really hard to manage the person from other parts of the world, from other time zones. Yeah, you know that you can save a lot of money, like 50% of salary, if you compare it to, I don't know, to developer from the United States, but it's a little bit hard to, to manage him.
0: So and essentially that, a project management platform for managing outsourced Developers. Yes, yes,
1: yes. Okay. And it provides the developers also because it's hard to find the developers. So it provides the developers. And uh, so basically, a
0: very niche Upwork or Fiverr for just for now. Here's the cool thing because I remember when we spoke earlier, you said it has a way of monitoring their activity and actual productivity level. Yeah. So you can actually see if someone, like they say they're going to work twenty hours on your project, you can see if that's a they're basically, yeah, blowing exactly. smoke, blowing smoke. You know.
1: And also, it has, for example, sometimes it's really hard to find this. This person uh, wants to leave your job. When, what doesn't want to work for you because again he has other mentality. Yeah. He works for other part of the world. Right. 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 So we have artificial intelligence which shows us happiness of work for this person it's it's less than normal and you need to talk and uh, just try to find what's going on.
0: So for everyone listening I did a short demo of this of this platform with Stan and it, basically the platform takes random screenshots, every now and then of your end user's computer screen. Now, whether you want to be that much of a big brother or not, you can you turn that on or off? Can we tweak this? Can you turn certain features on and off? So you don't have to do that, I guess, if you don't want. But, you know, if it takes a screenshot and the guy's playing Call of Duty, I guess that would be a problem. This could happen, correct? Am I, am I describing this correctly? Okay. And then it also, does it show any type of um, uh, engagement like level of 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 engagement on a task for your end user, so you can tell. In other words, could someone actually use this platform for all of their company? I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah uh, actually, it's. Uh, could it's I actually tell a- how often someone's actually doing work?
1: Oh yeah, you can. You actually can, Uh, because again, it's uh, there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of parameters. Activity, as you correctly say, productivity, and for example, the daily reports and uh, the feedbacks of uh, other from your manager and so on. Mm -hmm. For example. Every day, the developer sends a report what exactly he has been doing today. It's automatically generates on the Jira and so on, and then manager can just say like or dislike, and it's also uh, the <laughs> person that is able to get the feedback every day because a lot of developers they hundred percent sure that they do the perfect job, and they don't understand it. But when they get dislike every day, it's uh, in three days. It's like wow, yeah, I just need to, yeah. to fix that.
0: This this would this is exactly why I quit corporate America. This is exactly why I don't work. I don't have a job. <laughs> this is because I hate micromanagement and jobs. I, I hate this, but good for you. And the fact that you can get so you really need someone that loves their job and is very <laughs> is very engaged. I think a lot of people in America might be like, my employees would quit immediately. Um, anyways, um, but it's good to know that. Another company can use that to manage you and all of your guys and they can know that they're getting what they pay for and that they're getting a high quality, that they're getting high quality development and props to you again for getting people that love to be managed. They must really love you. You must be a very nice person for in in order for everyone to go through all of this. It just
1: uh, I'm fan of uh, efficiency. It's, uh,
0: <laughs> you're like, you're like, trust me, yeah. Phil. There's people that hate me. <laughs> That's what you said. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm not going to answer that. So um, <laughs> the <laughs> if you had any one thing to, I know you're going to be. I know you're going to be in Dubai what next month, and then you're going to be in Palo Alto. So just out of curiosity, what do you like? Do you like Dubai more or the United States more?
1: Oh, actually I like United States much more because Dubai it's like the city on steroids.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's what I hear. Because I was yes. looking at a house over there the other day and I've got just because someone told me like hey, you can buy a house in Dubai and you know, you don't have to pay taxes and they give you this like lifetime visa and I'm really into surfing and they've got like different, you know, surfing pools and cool stuff. And it is literally on steroids. I've never seen a housing development like I saw with a river running through it, an amusement park, and like all kinds of craziness. So I'm I'm going to go over there uh, either before the end of the year or early January and check this out. But tell me, how is it a city on steroids? Oh, actually, it's... um.
1: Uh, That's like it's growing by crazy, crazy, crazy speed. Uh At this time, uh, in Dubai, there's not so much people. Again, the population of Dubai is about three to four millions of people. So it's like the one of the state in the United States. It's uh, the city. It's not the something
0: that we can. In other words, Texas is bigger. Something like that is. Okay, Okay, gotcha. Uh huh.
1: And again, that's a very good place for living if you are really rich and you want to show to everybody that you are rich.
0: Yeah, and that's what you- I heard when I when I spoke with the real estate guy. I was like, "Calm down." He's like, Every- it's everyone's very competitive here. Very, very competitive. It's a great business environment." I'm like, "I'm looking to relax." <laughs> <But> he's <laughs> like, "But go ahead, keep going."
1: Uh, but a lot of person. Whom I taught in Dubai, they said we love the fact that I can just drive my Lamborghini, Rolls Royce here, and that's fine. Because sometimes <laughs> in the States, people will take a look at me wrong, and I, in Silicon Valley, it just it's uh, it doesn't look so good if I will drive Rolls Royce, for example. But I like my Cullinan Rolls Royce, and I drive it here. Yeah. Uh, so
0: yeah, the, no, you can't do that style. in uh, Northern Maine. <laughs> <In> North- <laughs> to be a one percenter in Northern Maine, just to give you an idea, uh, you only need to make you need to make more than I think three hundred seventy five thousand dollars, and you're a one percenter. You're in the top one percent. So yeah, if you drive a Lamborghini down the street there, yeah, you yeah no. Well, first of all, six months out of the year you can't even drive a Lamborghini. You need to be driving a GMC pickup truck, app for sure. It's, it's GMC, Chevy, Ford. That's it. Yeah, no. Or the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, or South Dakota. Yeah, I got you. Um, so, anyways, but that other Lamborghinis aside, why uh, why the U.S. over Dubai? Oh, actually, in
1: Dubai is um, a very good thing for 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 finding the good developers because a lot of people from different countries, like Tajikistan. Uh-huh. You know, Kazakhstan. A lot of them uh, look at Dubai as about the, the dream place. It's like uh-huh. the other place of the world with the Lamborghini and so on. Uh-huh. So a lot of people want to relocate here and we allow them to relocate to Dubai because we have the company in Dubai and we can officially hire the persons and so on. Uh-huh. So that's a good place to have the, uh, the office uh, here.
0: It's like this central hub to kind of to the rest of the world. It's kind of like this central, like, shipping and, like, I don't know, it's just this interesting place. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting place. Uh, if If you have never been there, you need to be there one time because you... Actually, during the week, you will see everything here. It's like because... Uh, because Dubai trying to be number one in everything. It's like we have the biggest everything that's possible to be biggest. Mm-hmm. Um, but in after the week, it's like uh that's okay, that's it. Uh they have no much history because again, 30 years ago, that were there were desert and uh, it,
0: it was desert Bedouins. It was yeah. a desert full of seriously, like tents, guys riding camp, like the stereotype was the stereotypical poorest barefoot bedouin people and now it has the tallest buildings in the world and like one of the richest things in the world it's uh, it's amazing
1: yeah that's amazing story that's amazing story but sometimes as a person for example you want to sometime you want to get uh, more beautiful places which are not brand new which are, have the history which are mm. interesting and so mm. on so actually that's a good place again that's a good place but I wouldn't prefer to live there all the time and mm. so that's not comparable to United States
0: yeah Um I'm a Northern new England guy. I love the ocean. I love, uh, uh, I'm going to go up. Uh, there's some five foot waves, uh, supposedly today in Maine. I don't mind 34 degree water in a wetsuit. Um, that's like, I love that. Um, and fishing, you know, that's, that's me. Um,
1: the weather here is much different.
0: <laughs> Although jujitsu, I really love jujitsu, and they got that going on over in Dubai. So uh, I am a jiu-jitsu addict um, and their national sport, I believe, is Brazilian jujitsu. So uh, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. If you had any one message to deliver out to uh, technology-minded people on the fence, wanting to become entrepreneurs, whatever it is, I don't care what the message is. Uh, maybe it's the software developers that are stuck in a dead-end job, but they're really good. What What's your one message that you want to send out to the listeners?
1: Uh, my message will be just try entrepreneurship and uh, just try to get a client. Don't try to build the billion dollar from the first day, try to get one of one, mm. the first
0: client mm. Get your first, yeah, get your very first one. I was, and that reminds me of my very first job uh, quitting Starbucks. I started for a Cisco startup. So I quit, I was working in Starbucks uh, my wife was pregnant with the sec our second child, and I was making maybe thirty seven thousand dollars a year with benefits. I was an indentured servant. It was slavery. It was don't get me wrong, I love coffee and I love talking to people and I loved serving I, I loved serving people and serving their coffee. I absolutely loved it. Um, however, thirty seven thousand dollars a year is just wasn't gonna cut it for me with my second child on the way. It was just, you know, and so anywho, I, I, I saw these sales guys coming in and I, I, you know, I was like, I can do what you do. You talk to people. It doesn't seem that hard. Right. And I, t- so I ended up taking this Cisco, uh, this job with a Cisco startup. Okay. And we are selling these Cisco 2800 series ads. It was when SIP trunking had like, just had been like invented, you know, like we're just now voice over IP was fresh. It was brand new. It was um, a hosted voiceover IP was a definite no no. Like anyone that had a full hosted PBX, like no way, you didn't do that. It was just like no way, it didn't work, you know. But SIP trunking did, and you know, kind of converting these PRIs and stuff did. So I and I knew none of this at the time. It was, I I knew I didn't even I thought Cisco was spelled with an S S Y C O. All right, so I took this job, and it really was I the everything hinged on can I get my first client? If I can get my first client, then I know I can do this. That was it. And I didn't know. I was like, how long is it going to take me to, and I was like scared. I was terrified. I took a leap off of a cliff. I had a bunch of people telling me, don't do it. I remember my brother, my brother was like, no way, don't do it. Cisco, no way. No, 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 Cisco, no, they have like a, a fishing net. Method methodology of of getting people to work for them they hire like 50,000 people and no one makes it you know he was like some you know like doom and gloom everything was scary and uh so anyways i here i am i, I i'm like i can't I, i'm not i didn't graduate with a a phd in something i graduated with a degree in creative writing right you just don't get a job in creative writing unless you're like a really good writer and um anyways working for a newspaper I wasn't doing that anyways, the point was is I took this job of the sales thing, so it was only about can I do this? Can I get my very first client? I was scared, I had to put food on the table, and once I made that very i got that very first client, made the sale, so to speak, even though i don't it really is about helping other people find A product that can help them fill a need, save money, increase ROI, whatever, you know, all of that, right? But for me, once I got that very first client, I knew I could do it again. If I did it once, I can do it again. And then I could do it again. And I can do it again and again and again. And then it becomes about a numbers game. And I was shocked. I was like, You mean I can do this and I don't have to get a regular paycheck that's always the same amount? I don't have to be stuck, you know, it was about how hard you worked. It wasn't about, and from then on, it was about, now it was about how you gamed it. It was a game. It was a numbers game. And every time we said numbers game, numbers game, numbers game. So that was the most powerful thing that you've said on this entire show. Make it a game, find somewhere in life where you can make it a game and just get that first one and then get the next one and then get the next one and the next one after that, whatever that is. Um, Stan, thank you very much uh, for being on the show. Please, um, we're going to put the links to your uh, applications and stuff in the show notes for anyone out there that wants to check out. Unspot, correct? I got this right? Unspot. And um, some of the different applications that Stan offers. And if you're looking and you want to make him prove it um, and give you some kind of guarantee, um, all of his contact information, uh, his his LinkedIn URL will be on the show notes as well. Have a wonderful rest of your day, sir. (laughs)